The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. We are here today on Friday, July 14th, which is kind of funny because we normally record on Thursdays, but we had to delay a day. And I guess good thing we did because there was oh, yeah. major, major news today that <laughs> I they didn't caught. even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> the the timing like worked out well for once. Yeah. But they caught the Long Island serial killer today. Well, allegedly. Probably. Yeah. They've only charged him with three of the murders at the moment, but I feel like more of them will be coming. They said in the uh, bail document thing that I was reading, they like had an asterisk that they're still working on the case for the other girl, the fourth girl. Yeah. So the suspect's name is Rex Hewerman. I think we're saying that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's an architect from New York, which I feel like he wasn't on anyone's radars that I've ever, ever seen in relation to this case. Um, you know, everyone thought it was the doctor or the cop or, you know, all the ones that we spoke about in our very, very early episodes. But they were all more connected to like Shannon Gilbert, right? Yeah. Who might not even be a connected to this technically. Yeah. But yeah, so it's been a big day. I literally woke up to this at like <laughs> 7.30 in the morning. Olivia texted me, which is... Usually I have to be at work at 7.30, but I'm on a passive strike with my job where I'm just going in whenever I want. So I was still in bed and Olivia texted me and I got on and I think that I've been dealing with this and posting about it and reading about it literally all day. My brain is like mush. My whole body hurts from like looking at my phone all day. They've actually released a ton of information already. Like it's been like 12 hours since the arrest um, well, you know, since the news broke anyway. So they have released heaps and heaps of information already, which is good for us. A little bit surprising, but good for us. They did release a lot now, but all day, like they didn't say anything. We had it figured out who it was most likely, and we were right, not shooter on horn. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> by like 8.30 a.m., 8 a.m., because they posted, people were saying the address, and we just looked up the address. And I think a lot of people did that, so I'm not being like, oh, we're so smart, but <laughs> his name came up and then we were just looking up stuff about him so we knew pretty early on but I don't know you never want to be the one First to one. post it and be wrong because there have been times in the past where I've looked it up and then it's not that person either like they've rented out the house or you know there's some something that's not kind of on public record in terms of the address that you're looking at but in this case it was the one that we thought. Um, we had a local who was sending us photos. They sent us the mugshot, which I'm pretty sure we were the first to get the mugshot. Yeah, that um, picture was stolen by every news outlet. <laughs> <laughs> no credit to us. Like I get it's public info, but it's just annoying. Um, and then they were sending us photos of kind of the search happening of the backyard of the suspect and yeah. Your before book photos. It, before anything, before his name was anywhere. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we, we figured out who it was pretty early on, which is why to me, because that was the, around the time where Olivia goes to bed and then I'm just left on my own for the day. <laughs> so for me, it felt like it took all fucking day. And of course, they always, I, I swear with any case, it's always when I'm driving home from work or about to leave work, which is when there's like some big press conference or something. So they put out the, I don't really know what exactly it was called, this 32-page document about why he shouldn't 
have a bail or anything like that, but it had a lot of info in it. Of course, it comes out right when I'm driving home from work, and I was like, damn it. <laughs> it's always the way. I know. So many times with Gabby Petito and Moscow, too, I was like, I'm driving home. Ah. And like you, <laughs> depending on the time of year, sometimes you get up around when I get out of work, but right now it's like an hour later. <laughs> oh, um, time zone's working against us. We're going to do a whole episode on it. We'll probably just do that next. Um, Today we're going to talk about Rudy Furious, which is another crazy one. So big day of craziness. It's um, funny. I made an Instagram post because I've always said to you a few times, you know, what if nothing happens this week? What are we going to talk about? What if there's no crush? (laughs) Which I know is silly, but it does go in kind of ebbs and flows. Yeah, waves. So today, like the last few weeks, we've had this Rudy case, which is wild. Now the Long Island serial killer, there's another case going on in Alabama that if that continues to go on with a missing person called Carly Russell, we will cover that one as well. But just like it's just like there's nothing and then there's everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you guys want to learn more, I mean, this will come out a week from now where I'm sure there'll be even more with Long Island serial killer coming out. But check out our stories because I, me and Olivia, we've been posting up a storm, everything that's going on. That document has a lot of information in it. My the highlight for me was that they got his DNA from pizza, pizza crust, crust that he threw out. And yeah. like in the document, there's literally a picture of like the box with pizza <laughs> crusts in it. What a there's way to a go. Whole, a whole lot too about his Google searches, which we'll go uh, into more in the whole episode. But another disgusting. one who made, yeah, feral Google searches. Um, also, just a shout out to everyone who's already joined our Patreon. I was like so worried. I was like, no one's going to join and people are going <laughs> to actually be mean to me about it. But every time someone subscribes, I want to cry. I feel so Do happy. Little happy and and yeah, yeah everyone's, so cool. Everyone, like we haven't, you know, everyone's been so lovely. Just send lovely messages. Send, I've been waiting for this. Thank you so much. So that's so kind. Thank you. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. And we hope to start doing more stuff on there right now. It's pretty much just ad-free episodes. I'm adding older ones as we go, but going forward, they'll all be on there. So if you don't want to hear ads, um, subscribe to our Patreon. And there's also a exclusive Facebook group. So right now there's not a ton of people yet, but hopefully we can get that going and it'll be a good place for all of us to be able to chat. I'll post pictures of Peep. We could talk about crimes that are going on. We could talk, talk about, about whatever, whatever we want. want. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I know our, our main Facebook group and Instagrams, there's so many people that it's kind of a little crazy to go through comments and everything. So it, we thought it'd be nice to have a, a smaller group as well. Definitely. Um, anything else we want to talk about? I feel like this episode's gonna be long. Life updates, really nothing for me. Peep is here, she's sleeping. Um, you had a, a fun weekend or <laughs> not a weekend, yeah, a couple days. Yeah, so it was my daughter's birthday on Wednesday. It's Saturday here now. Um, we took her into the city to stay for two nights. Uh, we booked a hotel that we've stayed at a ton of times and we went to this football game like it was amazing, the football game. But when we got to the hotel to start, the room absolutely smelled disgusting. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
I don't, know, I don't know if this is what you wanted me to talk about anyway. So so then I called the reception straight away. I'm like, there's something wrong in this room. I don't know what has happened here. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. And I said, we have to go to this football game now. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll get it sorted. That's fine. So when we got back at midnight, they had these two huge industrial fans in the room just blowing this filthy, disgusting air around. I was so cranky. Like my, I was like, it was, and I was so tired. It was midnight. The kids just wanted to go to bed after this game. Anyway, so I went down to the reception. I'm like, come on, this isn't acceptable. We, like there wasn't even room to walk in the room because they had these fans in there. But they were like, oh, we're so sorry. We're at 100% capacity in the hotel. So anyway, we went up. I put the fans in the hallway. I thought we're just going to have to deal with it. And the next day they moved us to this enormous three-bedroom, three-bathroom It was so suite. nice. <laughs> it was so nice. We only had one night there, but it was lovely. So, yeah, but it was nice. We had a few beautiful days in the city. The weather has been next-level amazing. Like my kids went swimming, you know, middle of winter they went swimming. Um, it's been really, really, really nice. So it was lovely to get away. They're back to school on Monday, today, Saturday. So we've got a day and a bit of holidays left and then back to normal life. Nice. Mm. It's been so oppressively disgusting here and it's mm. been thunderstorming and being crazy. Oh, yeah, we had those crazy floods. Like the oh, roads yeah. were destroyed. Everything was flooded. Someone died. I don't live close enough to the, the Hudson River for it to have totally really affected me. But even I live across from a little creek and that was like Niagara Falls. It was crazy. Mm. Um, and then tomorrow I'm going to like a nice little fair. Um, it's like a little shitty local town fair, but it's fun. There's some good fried food treats and you could look at like a lot of white trash going on. <laughs> so it's just fun to go to. And <laughs> after today and everything, I deserve many little treats. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully the weekend will be a little bit quieter for some recovery time. <laughs> yeah. And then Monday, having a big meeting with my job, trying to figure out what's going on because, you know, that's still not a great situation and, you know, everyone just working for free. So if I ever seem cranky, that's why. <laughs> it makes me feel better just, just to bitch about it now. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that. Let's get get into it. Hopefully this episode won't be too chaotic. We tried to kind of take out a lot of like the background Rumor. noise of it. I feel like I was so worried when I started doing the notes because I'm like, I just feel like this case is such a mess. But thankfully, there is actually a ton of facts and kind of source info out there, not just, you know, he said, she said, there's actual, well, you know, straight from the horse's mouth content, which is good. So it wasn't as messy or as hard to put together as I thought it would be, thank- thankfully. Yeah, but this is another one of those cases where you've heard us say it before. There's tons of people online very invested, making like flow charts of aliases and names and family members and conspiracy theories. And so we're just going to stick to like the main story, some yeah. conspiracy, but like the main conspiracy if you really really want to deep dive i think we have like 10 threads maybe in our facebook groups that's like ten thousand comments if you want to read through it you can join it and see um yeah with screenshots receipts it's all in there if you really want to get into that type of it type of you know content in this case yeah there's a whole subreddit too where i made the mistake of looking at it because you know i like to see what people are saying a lot of times i'll be like oh i saw this on reddit uh gave me an instant headache because it was just too much information like (laughs) too much chaos today but um so we're gonna go into it we're talking about rudy farias he was missing for eight years he 
apparently went missing when he was 17 years old in 2015. Um, I'm sure a lot of people saw this story in the news because it did make big headlines. Obviously, it's crazy that someone could be missing for so long and then be found alive. But then there were some twists and turns, and the story isn't exactly what it seems. Um, He might not have even been actually missing that whole time. So we are going to get into all that. A lot of people wanted us to do this episode because, like we said, it's so convoluted that it's kind of hard to follow because information was coming out in pieces. So hopefully we can at least kind of get a streamlined story going for everyone to follow. Family members tell me Rudy Farias is in bad shape right now, but they are grateful to finally have him back home. And now that he's been found, there are a lot of questions about where he was the past eight years. The search for 17 year old Rudy Farias is now over eight years after he was last seen. The now 25 year olds family says he is found safe. How this happened? Oh, we believe in miracles, and this certainly was a miracle. Tim Miller is the director for Texas EquiSearch. He is one of several people who helped search high and low for Farius. Can't even tell you how many times we've searched and how many leads and tips came in, and and uh, and then they just kind of faded away, and we heard nothing, and now all of a sudden this. Investigators say he disappeared in March 2015. He was last seen walking his two dogs. The dogs were found but Farius was not. At the time, loved ones said he suffered from PTSD, depression, and asthma. I'm scared because he's out there alone by himself. Miller says they followed up on every tip. In the very beginning, uh, you know, I met with a family and detectives out there by his house where he disappeared and we found a backpack. We actually talked to somebody who had a, one of the catering trucks, which felt as though that they saw him and stuff. Uh, then there was different possible sightings in different places. Miller says he never would have imagined Farius is still alive. I think now... Uh, you know, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of investigation to kind of see what happened, where it happened, how it happened. Again, there's still a lot of questions about how he disappeared. And loved ones say Rudy Farias is still in the hospital right now. But again, we are working to find out more answers to these questions. And we will keep you updated as we learn more. Corley Peel, KPRC, 2 News. So we will start with some background into Rudy. Like I said before, he was last seen on March 6, 2015 in Houston, Texas. He was out walking his dogs and he never came back from walking the dogs. The dogs returned without him. But like I said, there seems to be a little bit of a twist to the story. So Rudolph Rudy Farias was born in Houston in October 1997 to his parents, Rudolph Farias, a Houston police officer, and his mother, Janie Santana. Rudy went through a lot of trauma in his life. On February 13th, 2011, his half-brother Charles Uresti, who was 21, was killed in a motorcycle crash. According to Dateline, Rudy and his mother, Janie, were first on the scene of the crash. Private detective who was involved in this case later told Dateline that he watched his best friend die right in front of him. His brother was his best friend in the world. He's just gone through so much more than anyone his age ever should. Um, Rudy, you could see on social media that he made a post about Charles's death and it says about 10 years ago. And just as context to this post, his dad, I don't think was in his life at all. So that's why it's worded this way. So he wrote, dad and son, 45 years later, this pick is so cool. I wish I could have experienced having a dad growing up, but I had the next best thing, a big brother who loved me like a son. 
I love you, brother, and he tagged Charles Uresti until we meet again. Hit like if you love your dad or a big brother who raised you like a dad heart emoji. And there's a picture of him and his brother hugging as kids. So on August 19th, 2014, Rudy's father, again, also named Rudolph, took his own life by a gunshot wound. Like we said, he was a police officer. And at the time, he was under investigation for ticket fraud. An investigation by KHOU11 found out that officers are falsely claiming to have witnessed speeding infractions in court in order to claim overtime. Rudolph Sr. had reportedly earned $158,000 in overtime in three years prior to his death. So like we said, we were pretty sure that Rudy's dad wasn't involved in his life. It seemed like he didn't claim him as a son at all in his obituary, the Rudy, the son who this episode is about isn't even mentioned we'll put the obituary on the blog for those who want to see it um honestly it has eight thousand names on it but rudy the fourth is not one of them so we'll get into 2015 now which is when rudy disappeared he was apparently suffering from a depression at the time due to trauma that he due to all the trauma that he went through over the past few years at 6 p.m on march 6th 2015, he left home to take his two dogs for a walk near Tidewell and Park Drive in Northwest Houston. According to his missing person report, a few hours later, one of the dogs returned home without him. And then the next morning, the other dog returned home, but Rudy never came home. So he was reported missing the day after he left, which was March 7th. There's some missing person flyers still floating around on the internet. On them, it says that Rudy was diagnosed with PTSD, depression, and anxiety and that he'd likely stop taking his prescribed medication at the time of his disappearance. He was described as 5'8 and weighing about 215 pounds and having brown hair and brown eyes. The intensive search for Rudy lasted until March 10th, but it was called off due to bad weather. Seems like pretty quick to give up. <laughs> mm, for a 15-year-old kid, yeah. Right, like, up oh, bad weather. Oh, 17, sorry, 17-year-old kid, yeah. <laughs> His cousin, Michelle Rodriguez, told the New York Post at the time that Rudy had the mental age of a 10-year-old. So we're not sure of the exact date of the interview with the New York Post, but what we learned in 2023 is that Rudy actually returned home on March 8th, 2015. So like we said, this is new information. Until this year, Rudy has been missing missing this whole time. So despite this, his mother and family kept up the story that he was still missing, and they created a GoFundMe on March 22nd, 2015. So the GoFundMe in the screenshot that we have of it says donate to help Rudy Farias the fourth. It's taken down now that it's kind of been proven that it was potentially fraud. It did raise $2,000 when we screenshot it and the goal was $75,000. Um, and the last donations were 61 months ago, 63 months ago. So no one's really donated in a long time. So it was organized by the family and the mother gave updates on it. So it says, it's been over a month and Rudy is still missing. Please help us find Rudy Farias IV. Janie, the mother, said Rudy was suffering from physical and mental disabilities. Um, Houston police spoke with Dateline in April 2015 and said that they did not suspect foul play in Rudy's case, but that they were treating it as a missing missing persons case. So that's one month after he went missing. You know, they obviously... Like, it's just crazy. He was essentially missing for two days, if if even that. And this is still a month later. The Houston police is still, like, this went on forever. Yeah. So Texas EquiSearch joined the search for Rudy as well. We've talked about them before. I feel like that's a big thing. Like, they have a lot of resources. They take things very seriously. Yeah, like, it when they get been, involved, you know. 
Yeah, it would have been a lot for them to get involved, and they did. They got involved. Yeah. So in 2016, a year after Rudy went missing, Janie apparently got word that a boy resembling him had shown up at a hospital in California. Janie and her sister Sylvia Sanchez-Lopez flew out to check if it was him. The sister Sylvia, she recently did an interview and was talking about this. And she said, when I got to the boy's hospital bed, his family had already found him. I said, can I please look at his face just to make sure? She said, Rudy has a mole underneath one of his eyes that wasn't there. It broke my heart that it wasn't him. When Janie came out of the room, she seemed to be forcing her tears. I would call them crocodile tears. All of a sudden, she collapsed onto the floor. I was thinking, come on, this is so overly dramatic. This cannot be real. She was a darn good actor. They put her in a bed and she stayed there for two more days getting attention and sympathy from doctors. I called my siblings, my husband, and I said, something's not right. I did not want to be part of this anymore. And that's when something clicked. In 2017, Janie told KHOU11 that detectives had told her that Rudy could have been abducted and sold to human traffickers. Um, And you can hear a clip of that here. I'm afraid. She'll share her fears, but not her face. He hasn't checked his Facebook. He hasn't checked emails. Just nothing. It's been that way for more than a year. No word, no signs of Rudolph Rudy Farias, a 17-year-old Pasadena high school student and his mom's only living son. It happened too fast. He um, disappeared. Rudy was last seen walking his dogs right down here along Park Avenue that evening. He should have returned home in about 15 minutes, but his mom never saw him again. He has such a huge heart. (laughs) He loves with all his heart. So that's why we know that he wouldn't just get up and go on his own. That's not him. Detectives have warned family members that he may have been abducted and sold for human drug trafficking. That's why she's hiding her face. It's it's a nightmare that you want to wake up from. But like so many other parents of missing kids, without answers, the nightmare continues. That's what's killing me inside. There's a timeline that we found online regarding sightings of Rudy. And according to that, in 2017, an ex-boyfriend of Janie saw Rudy at the home. On February 12th, 2017, Rudy's uncle, Jerry Santana, did a press conference where he said he had potential leads in the case. Jerry ended up passing away in April 2017 in a motorcycle accident. There's a lot of bad luck in this case, it seems. It's, it reminds me of, like, the Vallows, where just, mm. why is everyone dying? But, I mean, I guess motor the two motorcycle accidents. Yeah, one suicide. And I don't think that they had anything to do with the older Rudolph, so it, that does seem unrelated, but... Yeah, Yeah, a whole lot of bad juju surrounding the family. In 2018, Rudy's cousin Cassandra Lopez called Houston police and said that she had seen Rudy at his mother's house. Police went to Janie's house at the time and said they didn't see any sign of Rudy. Lieutenant Christopher Zamora, a detective with Houston Police Department's missing person unit, told reporters recently the officers had unspecified interactions with Rudy during the eight years that he was missing. It was unclear when exactly this happened, though. During those interactions, he said both the mother and son gave false names and dates of births to the officer. Janie also told police that Rudy was her nephew and not her son. So seems like they were deliberately avoiding him being found. Yeah. They on were the record found. Actively, actively trying to avoid it. Yeah. Um, according to Click2 Houston, neighbors saw Rudy often at his mother's home. They said they knew him by the name Dolph. If you remember, his name's Rudolph, so just the other half of his name. 
Janae Weibel, one of the neighbors, said, when he's with us, he doesn't really say much or who he is. We just know he lives down there with his mom, goes to work with her around 6 p.m. to 7 or 8 in the morning. He's just been freely walking down the street. A neighbor shared a text message with Click to Houston between the neighbor and Janie, where she appears to identify herself as Dolph's mother. So it's the story clearly isn't straight because at first Dolph is the nephew, but now it seems like in these texts, which we don't have a copy of the text, but it says that she was seeming to make herself be Dolph's mother now. Cassandra, the cousin that called and said that she had seen him at the house, has since spoken about how their grandmother would often communicate with Rudy while he was missing. She would say, I saw Rudy. You know, he came to check on me and we said hello and we had a little conversation. She never went into detail, but she would say that she saw him. My mother would always tell me, Rudy's here. He's there. He's in that room, another of Rudy's aunts said. And Janie said, no, she's lying. She's losing it. It's one of those things where people did the the bare minimum, I guess. Like, why was no one just like, hello? Yeah. I guess it's so weird. Like, if you would think if someone is literally just in plain sight, then he really isn't missing. Like, you'd think, oh, I don't know. It's very, Yeah, it's very strange. True. She could, because even if they were like, he's here, like the family, because they know he's not the nephew, obviously. I guess Janie could have been like, oh, no, he's not missing anymore. Like, we told the police he's not missing. Because I don't think it was, it's been so long at this point where it wasn't like a big thing every day where people are out searching for him and there's flyers everywhere it'd been years and years at this point so i'm guessing the yeah. hysteria had died down but it's just it's just crazy <laughs> um so over the years that rudy was missing sylvia that's the the sister who went to california with the mother so sylvia and janie fell out Janie got into serious financial trouble, which includes a lot of foreclosures and bankruptcy. The sisters also fought over guardianship of their mother, Rosa, who ended up dying at the age of 85 in May 2020. I believe that Rosa was the one who was making all these claims about seeing Rudy and that, you know, Janie's like, no, no, it wasn't her. So that's the same woman, the same grandmother. Yeah. And I'm sure the grandma was seeing him because she lived at Janie's house. Sylvia fought to have Rosa move into her home, claiming that the living conditions at Janie's were disgusting. According to a complaint lodged in Harris County, the Santana residence was not a clean or safe residence for the proposed ward, which is Rosa, adding the home had animal urine and feces throughout the house. Added, the proposed ward did not have a bed and slept on the couch, which smelled of urine. At the time the proposed ward last went into the hospital, she had significant bed sores that had gone untreated. So basically, they're just saying that Janie's house is disgusting and she doesn't care for Rosa, the mother. I suspect there was probably some financial motive in her wanting to have the mother. Like, I'm sure she would have got some type of, you know, yeah. payment or pension or whatever from, from the mother. Or, so. if she, or if she had a retirement or anything like yeah. that. And also, apparently, Rudy was living in these conditions as well. So at 10 p.m. on June 29th, 2023, an apparent passerby good samaritan found a man laying injured on the steps outside of the immaculate heart church in houston there's been varying reports about what happened in terms of notifying the family we've read that janie was the first on the scene which seems really weird like how would they know who to call i don't know there hasn't really been clarification on that yet but she was the first on the scene apparently which is suspicious 
Well, yeah, it's now not suspicious now that we know what actually probably oh, happened. Yeah. But at the time, I'm like, wow, how could they have known it was him so quickly, like, you know, to call yeah. the mother before anyone else even got there? Yeah, it makes sense now. But at first it was like, mm, okay, that's weird. Yeah. The man was identified quickly as Rudy and he'd been found just eight miles from his home. He had cuts, bruises, and blood on his head. He was assessed at the scene by paramedics, and he refused to go to the hospital. Rudy was left with his family and police. So at some point, though, Rudy was taken to the hospital by a family member. Janie posted on Facebook that he was nonverbal and unable to communicate. However, he apparently also told hospital staff that his name was not Rudolph, but it was Julio and that he was only 14 years old. The family made tons of posts at this time, and it would take an entire series to run through all of them, but this is the gist of what they were saying generally. So a family member made this post and that tagged the rest of the family members, so Janie is also tagged in it. It is in all capitals. It is very aggressive. <laughs> so they wrote, update, it's him. It's our Rudy, Rudy Furious IV. He's been found, and, he, and they tagged him. He's been found, he's alive, and in the hospital right now. He will remain in the hospital for a while. Um, she tagged Nikki Garza, and I had just literally left the hospital a few minutes ago after being there most of the evening and night. Rudy's in pretty bad shape. He has cuts, soft tissue tumors, small hole openings, and swelling on the soles of his feet, along with bruising, old and new cut scrapes on his body, old dry blood on his head and hair. He has a very, very dark complexion now, almost unrecognizable. It's apparent that he's been through hell and abused. It broke our hearts to see him in this condition. It was difficult to see him in this condition. God, <laughs> God just so much repetition. God only knows what he has, what he has gone through during this time away from home. He expressing the capitals are like hurting my eyes he's expressing <laughs> that he's in a lot of pain he flinches if you try to touch him or hug him thinking we are going to strike him the doctor said that it is normal considering what he has gone through <laughs> he thinks his name is julio torres and he's 14 the doctor said not to correct him to just go with it for now until he can begin to receive further treatment to begin healing and recovery it's obvious he's been through hell and he's not our same Rudy anymore. He is very thin and frail. His hands and fingers are smaller than mine. In Nikki's hands, he is not very verbal aside from one or two words here and there. We hope he will begin to open up and not feel that we are out to harm him. As the doctor said, he has to learn to trust again. It's going to take some time. But with God Almighty, he will slowly begin the process of healing to help get him close to who he was before, if at all possible, we are looking into resources for him to get him the help he needs to start this new journey. It's like a <laughs> crazy post. I don't know if the mom was involved in this because I know she's kind of like in a crazy attention-seeking like bitch. I'm just – I feel like Bella might actually be the mother's account. I think it is. Accounts. So I just – I don't want any people in case you don't know what you're talking about. So I feel like it may be. Yeah, so the mom has a lot of different online aliases. We're 90% sure this was the mother who wrote this, but it's a little hard to keep track of. I'm sure someone's going to be like, yes, it was definitely her. <laughs> Pretty sure it was her that wrote this. Um, but it's just – it's a crazy post to make when you're, you're – if the story was true – your child of eight years randomly turns up and you're like, I need to immediately write this essay on Facebook to update everyone on every detail. 
all the posts they were making were like this. Like this is a long post. It's paragraphs and paragraphs and just a wall of text. They were all like this. They posted photos of his feet, which did have kind of like abrasions and almost not holes, but they weren't looking great. Like they posted a, a ton of photos of him at the time too. Yeah, but there's debate about the photos, which we get into at yeah. some point as well. But yeah, I think it's just a, a weird thing. If yeah. that, that this was the true story, I don't think that they'd be like, we need to get on Facebook and write this very long post <laughs> about what happened. Like you'd be in shock kind of and wanting to just be with them and figure out what's going on. Like your worry wouldn't be Facebook. At the time that this all started coming out, the Texas Equisearch director, Tim Miller, spoke to the media and he said that the development was a miracle. He said, how did this happen? We believe in miracles and this certainly was a miracle. I can't even tell you how many times we searched, how many leads and tips came in and then they just kind of faded away. And now all of a sudden this. We believe that one of the main ways they apparently identified Rudy so quickly, despite him being missing for the eight years, was that this person was wearing a necklace that Rudy had been wearing at the time that he disappeared. The necklace belonged to the brother Charles. There is a photo of it. It kind of looks like maybe like a religious type pendant. Yeah, pendant thing. And I'm like, but so that was apparently at the time the only way they identified him. They didn't do DNA. They just apparently knew it was their Rudy based on this necklace, despite how different he looked and all this. So I was, at the time, I'm like, this is very strange. I hope it's I think, really yeah. him. I think that was when we both started being like, Wait, what? what <laughs> they, they, they just know from a necklace and the mom was somehow the first one on the scene? Like, how'd they know yeah. to call her? And the mom didn't want him to, or, you know, didn't want him to go to hospital. Like, all these just random things started, like, you know, side-eyeing what is going on. And also wearing a necklace for eight, eight years. years. Yeah. Wouldn't it? That would be impossible. It looks it like would, it's in very bad condition in the necklace. It's in bad like, shape. I don't know if the other guy was wearing it when he died as well. Like maybe, like it looks like it's about to fall apart. So yeah, that is true. But I I lose a necklace after like a couple of months usually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so on the 3rd of July, Janie released a statement thanking the media and public for all their support. Her statement read, my son Rudy was found on Thursday, June 29th after being missing for eight years. Currently, we do not have any additional additional information on the case. What we do know is at the time of his recovery, a good Samaritan located him unresponsive and immediately called police and 911. My son Rudy is receiving the care he needs to overcome his trauma. At this time, he's not verbal and not able to communicate with us. We are asking for privacy during this difficult oh. time, but we'll share more details as Rudy continues to heal. I feel like this is around the time where people started to kind of question what was going on. This is, you know, four or five days after he was found. Well, like, this is very strange. Yeah. So she did release a photo of Rudy in the hospital bed. There is a discussion online as if now, as if that is a recent photo or if it is actually one that was taken in 2012. So I guess he had, he had foot surgery in 2012. So that's why specifically how you were saying he has like marks on his foot. Mm. Apparently he had foot surgery in 2012 and that's what these pictures are from people are saying. And like you literally, um, it's just him I'm assuming it like I have no doubt it actually probably is Rudy in the bed but it's just him laying there covered totally with a sheet except basically from his ear up so you can't see anything you can't tell what how old the person in the bed is you can just see it's likely a you know teenager or an adult it's not a child essentially but this was another point where I was like if your kid was abducted for all these years you're saying he's nonverbal. he was clearly abused traumatized you're going to take a picture of him in the hospital bed and post it online? Like, unhinged. Give him some, yeah, give him some dignity. Yeah. 
So on July 5, Rudy and Jenny met with detectives from the Houston Police's Missing Persons Unit at a hotel. So this is when things got even weirder. On the same day, a local activist and apparent counsellor named Quinnell X, apparent counsellor Quinnell X also met with Rudy alone at the same hotel. So Quinnell X gave a update to the media. He spoke about his apparent interview with Rudy. He said the kid was distraught, absolutely distraught. He went back and forth. He acted like a teenager. He would act 20. Is he 23 or 25? And then he went back and forth between a child state to a mature state. He also went on to accuse police of trying to hide from conducting a shady sham investigation. He said, it's all confusing as hell to me now. I think they're re-victimizing this kid all over again. He needs extensive medical, psychological help and treatment. Despite, you know, everyone wanting privacy for Rudy, Quinellex came out and talked about how Rudy had apparently been drugged and sexually assaulted by his mother for years. So you've been here with Rudy and his mother? For a few hours, yes. What are the conversations like? Uh, let me first apologize for my appearance. I received an emergency phone call to get over here for this meeting with the detectives, Rudy's mother and Rudy. And so I dropped everything I was doing and made it as fast as I possibly could. And uh, I spent about an hour and 20 minutes one-on-one -on -one with Rudy and with one of the detectives. I heard horrific things from that young man. And I did not want him to see me start shedding tears, but I couldn't hold back the tears because of the things he was saying to us, the detective and myself. No child, no child should ever be treated like that by your own mother. This young man said that when he initially ran away, he came back two days later and she told him that he had to hide, that he was going to get in trouble and they were going to arrest him for running away and that he had to continue hiding. And so she hid him out for a while, then brought him back to the house and hid him in the home. And initially, whenever the investigators would come, she would hide him in the house. And um, he kept saying, I don't want her to go to prison. I don't want her to get in trouble. I don't want her to go to jail. And so we asked him, why did you run away? And he said he just got tired of her not respecting his boundaries. And she said that he wanted his own life. And his exact word was, I was tired of living like a slave she would take him to work with her and he would do the required work she was supposed to do. And a lot of the responsibilities of her job was on him. And he went on to say that what troubled him the most was her crossing his personal space boundaries. He said that she would make him sleep in the bed with her and he said that she made him play daddy. He said that she, that he didn't like getting in the bed with her. That he would try to sneak out of the bed and 
sometime hide under the bed, but she told him he had to be her husband. That's a damn shame, man. A little boy said she was the one providing drugs to him for years. Hallucination drugs, mushrooms, etc. And that the reason why he was left, he was just tired of her crossing his boundaries. When he would shower, she would come and pull the shower curtain back and stare at him and then she would make him bathe her with the soap. And he ran away this time because he was tired. Well, now, you've been doing this for many years. How emotional has today been with this case? It's a goddamn shame. I ain't never in my life heard of a mother doing to a child what this woman did. Were you at all there when the mother was questioned? Yes. And what was her reaction? When yes. And she, I knew something was wrong with the story. When she was questioned, when he got, when, he went, when they found him, he had her credit card in his pocket. She just canceled that credit card two and a half years ago. So if he's been missing for eight years, how the hell he get your credit card in, your, in his pocket when they found him from two and a half years ago? What she mean? And he said to us that she gave him that credit card so he could go and buy her certain but, things. But with the other allegations, what was her response to those allegations? She hadn't even heard them because we had to remove her from the room. But did she, so she hasn't been questioned about that? Can you describe her demeanor and his demeanor during questioning? When she was in the room, he wouldn't say nothing. He wouldn't say one word when she was in the room. But the minute she left the room and we were allowed to talk to a young man, he asked. He said, can I speak with Mr. X by myself? Can I talk to Quanell by myself? And the detective was like, well, can one of us stay in the room? And he was like, okay, but, but I'll talk to him. When she left, he, when he first came here, he was holding on to her. He wouldn't talk to them. He wouldn't say one word to anybody. Like he was petrified. But the minute he got alone by himself, he slowly calmed down. And he slowly began to talk very coherently and specific details. This is a man in his mid-20s. People might wonder, why not run away from this situation? Why not get yourself out of it? Did he give you any explanation about that? I honestly believe, based on what he said to us, she was drugging the hell out of this kid. And she convinced him that he was in trouble for initially running away and that law enforcement wanted to arrest him and put him in jail for running away. She had convinced him that all type of agencies were looking for him to put him in jail. He was in plain sight. Uh, Quinnell claimed that when Rudy returned home after the few days in March 2015, Janie told him that he had to go into hiding and that he would be arrested if he ever tried to run away again. Quinnell said so she brought him back to the house and hid him in the home and initially whenever investigators would come, she would hide him in the house. He just kept saying, I don't want to go to jail. 
Quinnell cried as he told the media about Rudy's alleged abuse. He said that Janie made Rudy sleep in bed with her and demanded that he fulfill her fantasies before he managed to run away. Quinnell said she asked him to play daddy. She told him that he had to be the husband. He also went on to say the young man's body has scars all over it. He said she often locked him in a room and that she would give him drugs. There's a whole lot of mental health issues induced because of the drugs. The boy said she was the one providing him drugs, hallucinations, and mushrooms. She gave this boy serious drugs to the point where he needs professional help. The young boy was not kidnapped by some strangers. That isn't the case. So despite all of this, the Houston police told the media that Rudy did not give them any evidence of sexual assault or abuse. They did say that Rudy had been referred to victim services and adult protective services. And this is the update that the police gave after they interviewed Rudy. They said, after investigators talked with him yesterday, it was discovered that Rudy returned home the following day on March 8, 2015. Mother Janie continued to deceive police by remaining adamant that Rudy was still missing. She alleged her nephew was the person friends and family saw coming and going. The police announced that the district attorney had declined to lay charges at this time for making fictitious reports to the police. Lieutenant Samora told the press conference, being missing is not a crime. So Quinnell went on to say that later on that day, he was petrified to speak, but the minute he was by himself, he calmed down. When she was in the room, he wouldn't say nothing. The minute she left the room, he spoke. Based on what that boy told me, I don't know why she's not in handcuffs right now. So I guess someone asked a question to Quinnell X about how Rudy managed to stay missing for so long. He said he was allowed to visit with some of the neighbors under assumed under an assumed name. She believed that after so many years, people had forgotten about the case and that under an assumed name, people wouldn't put two and two together, which is kind of what we spoke about earlier. You know, it's been long enough. People aren't going to remember who you were or whatever. Mm -hmm. Janie's sister, Sylvia, who you mentioned earlier, the one who went to California with Janie, made a statement. She said, myself and a lot of people went out looking for Rudy. We put up posters all around town from corner to corner. I stood by Janie. I truly believed her. Now I believe everything Rudy says about her 100%. I'm shocked. I'm without words. The police have got to do something. And another aunt, Pauline Sanchez Rodriguez, said, we're so upset that the authorities aren't going to do anything. So a little while ago, you mentioned Brenda Paradise. She was the PI who worked on the case back in 2015 when Rudy went missing. She spoke to Dayline back then and said something doesn't add up. There's something dark and dirty here. And she's since kind of spoken to the media again about how the alarm bells went off at the time. She said he was actually 18 when he went missing. Tonight I found the original intake form. It shows that the mum wrote the wrong date. She said he was 17. So Janie would also apparently not give police any recent photos of Rudy for the missing persons flyer. The one on the flyer is him at 14 years old. The PI said she told me that she thought if he looked younger, there would be more empathy. Brenda also spoke to the insider.com and gave some other information. This is from that article. It says, when searchers found an asthma inhaler and a backpack at the scene of the disappearance and forwarded photos, family members quickly said they belonged to Rudy, but they didn't. Rudy never even had asthma. The backpack had some elementary killed elementary school kids' homework inside it, and that wasn't Rudy's either. But the mum swore up and down that it was his. And then when we spoke about the hospital photo, Brenda said it doesn't look like any Houston hospital photo I've ever seen. Mm. It's like there was, seems like there were so many people involved with actually trying to find Rudy, and no one figured out that he was just in the house the whole time. But Ryan Grayson was another PI who was involved. He told the insider that Janie claimed to have received information at the time that Rudy was being held in Mexico. She fundraised to be able to get to Mexico to search for him. Ryan said she showed up late for the fundraiser. She didn't go around and say hello to any of the people there who were donating money. Ryan tracked down this supposed trafficker and called her. That person then kind of um, confessed that Janie had asked her to 
lie about having Rudy. Ryan says she said that Rudy's mum had talked to her and that the trafficker said, I told Janie I don't want to be involved in her scam. Janie also told Ryan about communications from these alleged traffickers in Tijuana in Mexico. The communications were in a dialect distinctly foreign to that reason. He said that Janie was like Tex-Mex Spanglish. That's what Janie was speaking. He said after that he washed his hands of the case and he spoke about Rudy saying, I've got a strong feeling he was a victim. I knew he was special needs. It's a pretty sad situation. After all this happened, there were reports that Rudy wanted to stay away from his mother. His aunt, Pauline Sanchez, told the Houston Chronicle that he was taking time away from Janie to adjust and that he would call his family when he's ready. The Houston police released another update on July 7, saying, a reminder to our media partners and citizens, this missing person investigation is active and ongoing. We ask that everyone respect the investigative process and we will not have further comments at this time. So just in the last few days, Rudy has spoken to the media. He said, I had free will to to leave. I just felt like she was brainwashing. Honestly, she just kept confusing me. He said that Janie told him he would be arrested if he left the home. She locked me in there pretty much mentally. He went on to say, I would have to listen to my family, be happy and cheerful on one side of a door and I would be like, I want my family, I want people, I just want communication. It's like I lived in a prison. It's like I lived in a jail my whole life. I just wanted to be free. I wanted to have my own job. I wanted to live my life and I wanted to love somebody, have someone else that would actually love me and I struggled to understand my emotions. Tell us about what it was like living there. Were you allowed to leave the room? Was she holding you there against your will? She never, like, locked me in or, you know, like, handcuffed me or anything like that. You know, I had free will to leave. It's just, it just felt like brainwashing, honestly. Like, just, it just kept confusing me, just the way, you know, she would manipulate me into saying, like, oh, you're going to get arrested. She locked me in there pretty much mentally, just that she was my only parent. She was the only person I ever really had besides my brother. So when I lost my brother, I didn't have anybody to teach me how to live, you know, how to have confidence or trust in myself. He also denied that Janie had sexually abused him, so I'm not entirely, well, I can, I'll get into it in a minute, but essentially the claims that Quinn Alex seemed to have made seemed to not be true. Rudy either backtracked or, you know, said that I used to have I used to have to sleep in her bed sometimes boundaries she would push and make me uncomfortable and I would say stop and she would say why 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 I didn't do anything so ABC 13 did ask Quinellex why he had said what he did about the sexual assault and he said that basically after his conversations with Rudy he does consider him to be a victim of sexual abuse I mean they never said she was like molesting him or anything but also maybe Rudy did say that and could now be backtracking just because it's embarrassing to have yeah. your business blasted all over. I, I do feel too, like I'm obviously just assuming, but I feel like he seems like someone who would be easily led. So if someone's kind yeah. of asking him these questions, he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like rather than say, no, 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 like that's not what I meant or like I could see that kind of situation happening. Mm-hmm. So Rudy did say that he's hoping to put the ordeal behind him and to start fresh. He said, I want to have a family, a job, a car and a house. I just want to live my life. So that is kind of the entire story up to now for Rudy's case. I'm just looking to see if there's any other articles. It seems to have died down a little bit. There was kind of a media frenzy, but now I feel like what else could really come out? Like I feel like most of their dirty laundry has been aired. Um, Yeah. Um, There's a lot about the mom out there too. She seems to be some sort of scammer or – maybe not 
to diagnose, but it reminds me of kind of like Munchausen or Munchausen by proxy, because I did see other things about how people were then kind of going through her social media posts and she would fake illnesses and injuries. Like, for example, one thing, she posted a picture of an arm and a cast or splint or something. And the thing was like, anyone know any doctors in the area or something? But then people searched that photo and it was just like pictures that you would find on Google. So she seemed to be faking illness a lot or injury because she liked the sympathy, I guess, or maybe to try to scam people. I don't know. But it does seem like she's been up to some shady stuff. We often ask on Instagram, you know, what people think about a case, like should this person be charged? And I wrote on there this week, do you think Janie should be charged? And I think for the first time ever in the history (laughs) of our account, 100% of people said yes. I think absolutely. Like she stole money from people. She wasted people's time, the police, her family, uh, private investigators, Texas EquiSearch, whether she, and I do think that there was, it should be considered abuse. He wasn't going to school. He was, not that we know everything that's exactly true or not, but he was faked missing and wasn't allowed to go out and live in society basically which isn't just not sending your kid to school a crime in itself yeah exactly basically ruined his life because he couldn't socialize he couldn't learn he couldn't go out and be a normal person and especially if he had um like learning disabilities or something i don't know if that's true or people are just saying that it just wasn't an environment for him to do well in yep but I also was thinking, because Heather, like, we're not charging her with lying to the police at this time. Maybe it's because they are still investigating and just want to do all the charges at once. But I, she has to be charged with something. Some type of fraud. But even when um, when they talk about, you know, the PI and Ryan saying that she would rock up to this fundraising function. So she obviously did get other money besides the GoFundMe. Like there was obviously other fundraising efforts going on. Um, and I know it's not a crime to go missing, but surely it's a crime to hide someone. Do you know what I mean? Like even they talk about when, you know, if you harbor a runaway, for example, that is you can yeah, like Rudy, be charged. It'd be one thing if Rudy chose to go missing on his own. He did And not to tell his mother, but for her to carry on this ruse when she very well knew that he was fine, you know, alive in the house anyway. Yeah. She definitely needs to be charged with something because yeah. like it, it's ruined his life, basically. He said he was forced to be hidden and he was scared that if he went out, he was going to be arrested. Yeah. I do think she's the type of person where she's just living off the sympathy and attention. And that's why she's making all those Facebook posts. Mm. I feel like there's a few factors here that might make it a little bit difficult to bring charges. The fact that Rudy probably was 18, so therefore an adult. So I guess, you know, that kind of um, not a minor anymore. So there would be a line there. And also, oh, and also that it was actually quite long ago now. Like this all happened eight years ago. So the records, do you know what I mean? Like it's not like this happened six months ago and she's raised $50,000. This all kind of happened a a while ago, so maybe it would just be harder to find the evidence to bring charges against her. Yeah, Uh, and also Rudy, a lot of it will rely on what he's willing to communicate with police, it seems, and he might not be able to do that if he is traumatized or embarrassed, and it seems like he was brainwashed to an extent, especially if he was mentally delayed at all. Like they said, mentioned that he had the special needs well they said early on that he mental age of a 10 year old yeah yeah of a 10 year old 
um, that he had PTSD and all this. So I don't know. He, it just seems like he's totally brainwashed. He probably doesn't even know what's normal to an extent no. at this point. He obviously he, didn't have a normal upbringing. No. It's like but, the Turpin children. You know, they. I was thinking to, that too. You know, obviously, when you're raised, a bit like Stockholm syndrome, where you're raised in a fucked up environment, you don't know what's don't know. normal and what, what your life should be like. Yeah. And even before, how peep. Ugh. Before all this happened, he did go through a lot of trauma. So it's just, I, I don't know. I think the mom, whether there was sexual abuse or not, I do think that she needs to get in some sort of trouble because she she took his whole life from him. Well, most of it, a big portion of his life. I have We have had some messages saying, do we think kind of Rudy was in on this? I just feel like there isn't no. enough financial gain to get, have kept this up for eight years for you $2,000, even if they raised, let's say, $5,000 with, you know, the Mexico money. That's not a lot of money for eight years of this life. So I really feel that he was coerced and didn't know how to get out of the situation um, and that his mother manipulated him. I feel like she's definitely the puppet master in this story. One thought that I had was maybe they really were worried and he was missing for the that day or however long. And then when he they filed the missing persons report, she was maybe getting attention and felt special. She seems to thrive off of the sympathy, being a victim. And then he came back and she was like, oh, shit, and didn't want to lose that attention. Um, so didn't report it right away. Maybe she was like, oh, yeah, like I'll, I'll say he came back and then just kind of never did. Then maybe it just could have turned into like, oh, well, I didn't report it three months ago. Now I'm going to get in trouble if I say it now. So maybe it just kind of snowballed out of control. Yeah. But it seems like there's something not right with the mother as well, obviously, especially they're living in these horrific conditions too, which was another thing that Quinnell X said that Rudy told him that the house was like disgusting. I think it should still be child abuse, even though yeah, he was older or I don't know, because he's technically an adult, but you're still abusing someone who depends on you, essentially. So we have had a lot of messages too that this reminds people of the D.D. Blanchard and Gypsy Rose case where the mother, yeah. you know, I feel like it's not obviously to that same extent as D.D. and Gypsy, but it is similar in terms of the mother being controlling and wanting um, sympathy and attention. Oppressive. Yep, yep. At the cost of someone else's suffering. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's hard to speculate on if we think the – abuse stuff that he told Quinnell is true because like I said he, he could have either said that under duress like they were asking him or it could be it was true and now he's embarrassed and doesn't want people to know that about him and is backtracking so I mean hopefully the and police are still looking into it and can actually figure out what happened if what he's saying too about just wanting to have a normal life like he said I just want to have a family he just probably wants all this to go away so you know, yeah. if they would say, "Did your mother abuse you?" No, let's like, do you know what I mean? I could, I could absolutely see that happening just to get on with it. But. And I don't, I don't know much about Quinnell X. Honestly, I know he is controversial and does get involved in a lot of cases. I don't know if he's generally a good or bad person. Like, I'll admit that. So please, there's don't a lot come of stuff me. on. There's a lot of stuff online about him. I believe he's been sued in the past and in some legal trouble and. Um, you know, yeah, so he, I know he's he, controversial, but I do think yeah. it was shitty of him to immediately put all this on blast to the press because yeah. then maybe if it was true, Rudy wouldn't feel embarrassed and like it was something that 
he wanted to take back and he just wants to be done with the whole thing and wants to just like you said move forward with his life yeah and i mean if it was something that ended up not being true then it it just wouldn't be out there so i do think it was shit for him to immediately walk out of the hotel and give a press conference on it but I don't know. And someone who was vulnerable as well. Like, obviously, it had just been a few days since all this had come out. It wasn't like this was a year later and they were sitting down for a chat. This was all brand new information. Yeah, it just probably re-traumatized him. So, yeah, I don't know. We will continue to post about it as it comes out or if there's any updates, we'll talk about it. That's kind of the main gist of the story for now. Like I, I said, feel like the only go- updates might be arrests or charges. charges yeah. Other than that, I can't really. Like I feel like it's just going to be along the same vein of, you know, an, an interview here and there, but not really any much more information. Yeah. So we'll see. You could go look online. You can definitely find more scammy shit the mom has done on a smaller scale. But that is all for his story as of now. Right? Like, I don't, there's not much to discuss. That's it. Like, I feel like that is literally the high level overview of the case. If you do really want to do the deep dive into every single person who's involved and all the shenanigans that they're up to, it's all in the groups and on Reddit and everything like that. But these are the main facts and source content. All right. Well, that's that. Um, There is a blog on this case that is out at truecrimestudyblog.com. We will post on our Instagram. We're posting about everything on Instagram all the time. That's kind of our main way to get the news out. I mean, there's still Facebook too, but I do, do a lot with the Instagrams. So check that out at True Crime Society. You can follow our personal accounts. Mine is Steph Sum underscore Olivia's is TCS Olivia. If you want to see what we're up to. And you can now subscribe to our Patreon if you want to have ad-free episodes. We're hoping to do more of that soon once we just figure out some stuff. So (laughs) check us out there. Um, And if you want to be in our cool, exclusive Facebook group, if you're listening on Spotify or anything like that, whatever platform, just make sure you're actually subscribed and following whatever the terminology is for the platform you're on. It's a big help to us when you guys do that. And leave us some nice reviews, share with your friends, all that. And that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Stay safe. Peace out. (laughs)